We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. You've got myself, Alex Hurst, Mick Martin, special guest, and on the line, Norman Riley. And today we're going to talk to you about the media, not just the Northeast media, but the national media and the international media who have focused heavily in recent days on Newcastle United's alleged takeover, which we are very hopeful will be completed in the coming days or weeks. And the demands that have been placed by some, not all, some journalists on fans that we, the fans of Newcastle United, should answer for, uh, you know, the domestic and foreign policy of Saudi Arabia, uh, including human rights abuses, uh, something that has stirred people, a lot of fans on social media, very unhappy about this. I myself, through my role at the Supporters Trust, have done more interviews than I can count, uh, not just myself, other members of the board, and we're consistently wanting to talk about the positives of this takeover, but we are predominantly asked about what we are going to do, if anything, uh, about Saudi Arabian mistreatment of people at home and abroad, which my answer has been that has nothing to do with us. Um, Mick? I'm absolutely ecstatic, Alex. Um, I thought I was coming to the end of my time with Newcastle. I've, I think I've been to two games this season. I've used my season ticket once. Um, and I'd, I was on the kind of the the um, cusp of cancelling it, and not coming back, and then um, and then stopped that in my tracks. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting back to St James's Park, meeting my pals, and having a few pints, and going up to St Je- going up to the Gallagher end, and being amongst um, uh, friends and um, and supporting the lads in black and white, which is all. All of of us have ever wanted to do, and um, and and we've wanted to support an honest football club, an ambitious one, um, a one that wants to fulfil its massive potential, um, and that uh, Mike Ashley has sat on top of, um, and uh, and drained the light life out of for the last thirteen years. Yeah, <laughs> well said, Norman. Same, same to you. I don't think we've we've spoken in the podcast about how you're feeling about the takeover and the fact that Ashley's gone. First of all, how how are you doing, mate? I'm very, I'm very well, Mia. I can tell you how I feel about Ashley leaving. Um, if we remove, let's just, you know, I'll, I'll park the potential new owner to one side. It's weird talking about him, about him leaving, um, or like talking about him in the past tense when he actually hasn't left yet. But um, if, if we park the kind of, you know, the the party that's supposed to be taken over, and we just, I just look at it purely as Mike Ashley leaving, obviously with a joy because he's been absolutely horrific when he's disrespected the fans. He's um, he's taken the piss out of the fans, to be perfectly honest with you. 
Um, and he's just not a very pleasant person at all in terms of his, his, what he's done as a chairman. Um, really, really, really happy to see the, see the back of him. Obviously, you know, that we'll talk about the way that picture further down the line in terms of who's taking over. But on a, on a personal level, um, he's just been an absolute negative. It was sucked the very life force out of the club and out of the fans. And obviously, Mick saying there that he's, he disengaged the point of being um, sort of ambivalent uh, this season. And for me, Mike Ashley, when he, when he first arrived, I, I was losing interest. Anyways, I've been losing interest um, after the way Robson was treated, but Ashley came in. And, and you know, it, it was terrible for years. And then he brought in Rafa and I kind of re-engaged. I thought maybe this man's turned a corner and obviously, you know, that leopard just didn't change his spots. And um, again, this, this season's been a real... A real drag, and it's down. It's down to one man. It's down to Mike Ashley. So him leaving, I think, will be celebrated um, noisily by many people. Yeah, yeah, and uh, one of the things which is all there's already starting to be a little bit of revisionism in the national media when they say, "Well, you know, Ashley did this, but it's not this." Well, actually, Newcastle fans haven't hated Mike Ashley. I've had to tell this to loads of different media organisations. Newcastle fans haven't hated Mike Ashley primarily because of the business practices of Sports Direct, it's because he's behaved in an at times almost deliberately antagonistic way towards the supporters of the club he owns and has almost at times gone out of his way to damage the club and I don't need to tell people listening about the things he's done. Um, and there seems to be this really weird conflation in the media and it, gets, it has been put to me many times over the past 48 hours and beyond. Yeah, well, you know, Victorian working conditions aren't as bad as X. Yeah, but the reason that 10,000 people walked away from St. James's Park in the last season and the reason, you know, thousands had drifted away since 2008 has gotten very little in most cases to do with working conditions at a sports shop and everything to do with the continued destruction of his football club. Um, And I suppose that's what we're here to talk about. And Mick, uh, you know, let's let's face it, the the narrative in the media at the minute uh, is Newcastle United fans shouldn't let this happen and Newcastle United fans uh, have a responsibility to speak out and stop it from happening and what are your thoughts on that? It's a complete phony argument it's a complete false premise and it's based on nothing other than there being no football on at the moment um, to write or talk about on the airwaves etc so there's a vacuum and it's being filled by the vacuous so um if Newcastle fans were against this or for it or indifferent to it, it makes not one hit of a difference because we are powerless customers and that is how football has turned football fans in, into. So you've got this idea that we have got some kind of rubber stamping um, role for a change of ownership. We absolutely have not. We didn't kind of get any consultation from Sir John Hall when he sold the club to um, uh, to Mike Ashley. It just happened. Um, nobody asked us what our opinion was then. Nobody really asked us what our opinion was when the club moved from McKeague to Hall, but we were very happy about it at the time, and so on and so forth. So this idea that we have some kind of sign-off of the big decisions at Newcastle United or that any fans of any major club have this kind of power over their owners is completely and utterly bogus for for better or for worse, in my opinion, for worse because we are completely powerless in football. We, we might as well complain about the 
Royal Shakespeare Company not doing Othello at the Theatre Royal. You've got no, absolutely no power or authority over Newcastle. We are customers. We're turnstile fodder, etc., etc., etc. And that's the way football has gone since the formation of the Premier League and arguably before that. So that's that's the that's the number one kind of issue, and then the the second one is um, about the Saudis themselves. Now I'm not going to defend the I'm not going to defend defend human rights abuses in Saudi Arabia or anywhere else. Um, but the fact the fact of the matter is, it doesn't come down to football fans to say who is a good or a bad person to own a football club or any business. So this this country does loads of business with Saudi Arabia. It imports gallons and gallons and millions of gallons of oil from from Saudi Arabia. Are the people who are telling us that we shouldn't have the Saudis as the owners of our football club, are they advocating that we stop importing oil from Saudi Arabia? Are are those people saying to us that our defence industries, British Aerospace, which employs 33,000 people directly in the UK and probably another 60,000, 60,000, 70,000 in the multiplier, uh, sorry, in the supply chain, and goodness knows how many many others as, 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 as multipliers of that, are they telling us that those people should stop working on contracts to deliver weaponry to Saudi Arabia? Are they telling us that? Because if they are, that's fine. That's part of a piece. But what you can't have is a selective kind of outrage. And and let's be honest, whatever Saudi Arabia has done or hasn't done, buying Newcastle United and supporting them and investing in them is probably the least worst thing they'll ever do. You know, so if we got up and were on my hind legs and we and we opposed it, that wouldn't mean that Saudi Arabia would not buy a football club. They just wouldn't buy ours. They would buy another one in England or Italy or France or wherever. It wouldn't stop them doing that. But what it galls me is that there are people out there who want us to make some kind of sacrifice, as facile an argument as that is, but they want us to make a sacrifice that they will never, ever feel the impact of. So we're hearing that the Saudis, um, and that, or rather the new uh, consortium, of, are, are keen on investing in urban regeneration and, uh, and, and projects across Tyneside. That can have a massive impact on people's real lives. Are they telling us that we should object to that? Because if they are, let's get that on the table so that when, when we are talking about this, let's not just talk about Newcastle United. Let's talk about other parts of the economy. Let's talk about the Queen rolling the red carpet out to the Saudi royal family, which we've all seen, flying the flag at, above Buckingham Palace at half-mast when the uh, previous Saudi king died. David Cameron visiting um, Saudi Arabia um, with 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 uh, with the Queen and meeting and meeting Saudi royals. Let's talk about that. Theresa May um, inviting um, the Saudis and them staying for the weekend at Checkers and all of that. But you know, I heard very little about that at the time. But it's Newcastle United, and all of a sudden. It's an outrage, and it's so. It seems to me that the substantial things are being ignored, and the publicity and PR thing is the most important thing. So, you know, close to home, there are four hundred people that work at British Aerospace in Washington, and they build components for the defence industry, 
and they have contracts with foreign countries, amongst which is Saudi Arabia. Always saying to those people that work in that plant at Washington, stop what you're doing, make this moral stand, lose your jobs, and for local politicians in that area to say, remove this plant because I from our area because I, I didn't hear that in 2012 when Princess Anne cut the ribbon on the on the plant and the place got £70 million worth of investment. It's an absolute nonsense, all of this. It's They're asking people who've got no power to make decisions on stuff that others, more powerful, completely and consistently ignore. I'll probably stop for breath now. I think Mick um, makes extremely valid points. Um, I mean... It's, it's it's frankly ridiculous to ask Newcastle fans to be, you know, the uh, the kind of voice of um, morality on this whole on this whole show. When, as Mick says, you know, obviously the Saudis have so many interests in this country, and uh, and you know this country does roll out the red carpet for them. I guess, I guess, you know, one thing I will say is that they're all doing this to take the UK government etc. etc. at a task for for their dealings with the Saudis and our protests outside of the embassy and etc. etc. Um, but in terms of your, you know, everyday Joe Newcastle fan who just supports that club, then to ask them to to kind of stand up and walk away from it, or to put pressure on on whoever I mean, on whoever they think that you know we can put pressure on to to get this this move stopped. I, I don't know. I don't know where that logic comes from. And in all it boils down to to an individual level. You know, if if this if this goes ahead, and if you sit there and you we have the pros and cons, and you think, you know what? Regardless of what the Saudis have done, or what they're doing, and what they're doing, and what they might do, I can still think that it's okay to go and watch him cast United. Then, then that's 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 perfectly reasonable. You know, it, it, ultimately, it's it's not it's not this kind of easy binary decision. All right, the Saudi government is massively corrupt, and they do, and, and the committee human rights abuses. Therefore, I'm not going to match anymore. It's it, it, it's not it's not that straightforward in terms of just being a, a fan of a fan of the club. Um, and I'll be honest with you, you know, I'm I'm conflicted. There's no two ways about it, and it's a it's, a, it's an ongoing dialogue that I'm having, having with myself. Um, but but for a journalist, I suppose any journalist to turn around and say, you know, and point the finger at like us as individuals and say, well, you by you going to that match, you're going to be validating that regime. I think it's just preposterous beyond belief. To be perfectly honest with you, I think there's a level of. Uh, conflict even between journalists. You know, I've I've spoken to, to plenty of journalists over the last few days, and some have been silly, and some have been quite reasonable, and you know, disagree with some of them. And but the way they're put across is quite reasonable. I mean, you have people like Ollie Holt writing in the Daily Mail. I mean, the Daily Mail just seems to be <laughs> Martin Samuels and Ollie Holt double, double whammy for Newcastle fans. Not that I know too many who who read them. Um, you know, it seems to be like Mick says. There's nothing else going on. What what else do you write about? So let's mm. just castigate, uh, you know, a million people and just say you should be doing this. When Mick, as you rightly say, what are they doing? You know, compared to Wally Holt, me or you, Norman or you, Mick or you people listening, he has a lot more pull than us. <laughs> he has a lot more pull with the Premier League, with the Football Association, with the Football League. There are pe- there's people that have more pull with the British government, with UEFA, with FIFA. So you're working down this like ladder of people. And and you've got the people right at the bo- the, the very bottom. Yet people several rungs up that ladder are furious with the people at the bottom. I had someone put to me today, and again it was a reasonable conversation. Um, I want to say who it was that we should uh, we by Newcastle fans should raise a flag with a picture of a murdered journalist at the game, and that's that's so far removed from the reality of going to a football match. I mean, 
and as someone who used to be involved in the flags, you know, you'd, you kind of just turn up at the turnstiles at five to three with a 16 foot flag of a journalist that won't actually let you in with it. You know, it's, I don't know why anyone would think that that would be allowed through the gates. And I had to remind a couple of people who raised this actually that I think it was some, I can't remember what it said, but we played Man United at home a few years ago. John Carr was in charge. Uh, so obviously got beat and uh, there was a, Unite the Union did a banner mm-hmm. and it went across the Gallagher. Sky Sports and other outlets and the BBC deliberately showed pictures but without that banner in it. Mm-hmm. Either photoshopped it out, I think. I can't remember who photoshopped it, but someone did. But the rest of the media just just ignored it. So even if you got it up, the chances are the, the, the people with vested interests in football who have the real power, Sky Sports, mm-hmm. BT, they, they're the real ones with power. They're the ones that if they went to the Premier League and said, not keen on this, the, the Premier League would, would, would within a minute, chuck this takeover straight out. Um, uh, well, can I, sorry, I was going to dive. I was going to dive in there. Like, I mean, I, I agree um, with what you're saying on, on many levels. Here, what, what I would say is, is, look, if people, you know, for example, a group got together and did want to, let's see, put up a flag of Jamal Khashoggi in, in the stadium, if the Saudis buy other club, now I suppose you know a, a journalist might put that point to you because obviously. It's you know if the reaction of the club is to ban those supporters who do it, then that kind of reinforces the, the, the original argument, doesn't it? About you know this being a kind of suppression of free speech. So I can no, kind no, of say, Norman, it would be a, it would be against UEFA rules as well because oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not you're, 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 not, that, you're not, not meant to make any political statements in in football well, grounds. Clubs do, know? though, don't they? The clubs oh, do, yeah. you know. Like, yeah. Look, this isn't me. This isn't me saying I, I think there's a right or wrong here, but what mm. I'm saying is clubs do, you know. Um, uh, Leon fans did it. Um, Bayern fans did it. You know, clubs clubs do make political statements in that in their stadiums, and regardless of whether it's it's you know UEFA banner, the Premier League banner, I suppose you know if people out there wanted to do it and it went in the stadium and then they got banned by the club, and that as I say, that would reinforce the argument that's being made at the moment. I'm not saying it's what I'm what I believe in or don't believe in. I'm just saying that I can. I can but, see it from both. I can see it from both sides. I'll, I'll disagree with you slightly, Norman, because and yet you know what? If 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 you're right, if uh, a group of Newcastle fans out there wanted to do this, and yeah, then I, then I'm all right. Then that's that's different to several journalists putting it to me that this is what Newcastle fans should be doing, mm-hmm. and by Newcastle oh, fans should be doing it. You're asking a couple of Newcastle fans are straight off to lose all the season ticket money that they spent, potentially face a ban. For bringing things into the stadium that you're not supposed to, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're looking at <laughs> you're looking at potential situation. You know, just saying Newcastle are top of the league and doing really well. And I've had to point this out to, to several journalists in recent days. If Newcastle are flying, which we all think we will be under this new ownership, the place will be bouncing, the city will be bouncing, the region will be bouncing. The whole that you know, as you've said many times before, in true faith, we will become the club of the north and the Club of Scotland, and the Club of Northern Ireland, maybe. We will be the biggest club north of Manchester by a mile. Mm-hmm. And if we run really well in years to come, in my opinion, there's no reason that we can't challenge those clubs for the biggest club in, in England. Um, so so things are going to be fine. So you, you've got two or three people, or a group of people that journalists say should be doing this thing that isn't representative of the rest of the ground if Newcastle are doing well. You know, it, it's, a, it's a situation, it's a, it's a situation and a conflict being suggested by people that will have no responsibility or the, the fallout from it will not involve them. They'll be fine. Yeah. You know, Norman, it might have even been you that said it to me or it might, might have been someone else, but they could turn up at St. James's Park in, in a T-shirt with the bloke on that could sit in the press box. Uh, I'll, well, I'll just, say, I'll just say that I had a conversation with um, 
one of the journalists who put that idea out. I think probably the same person you spoke to. Uh, we recorded a, a podcast today, and obviously people are going to listen to that, make their own mind up on it. But I did put the question to him: um, uh, if you know, Apple fans are expected to put up flags, then shouldn't journalists be wearing Jamal Khashoggi t-shirts when they're inside St. James Park, speaking to players and managers, etc.? So obviously, um, when that podcast out, people are going to get the, the opinion of the journalist on that. It's a very good point, you know, about um, I, I compare it, what I've just heard to that. Irrit- there's there's always a, this irritating little bloke in the bar who's trying to get other people to have a fight, isn't there? You know, there's 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 there's, there's, there's we've all come across them, haven't they? You're not standing for that. I'd knock them out if I were you, and all all of that kind of rubbish. That's how I, that's how I would kind of compare all of this. But it's actually more seriously, it's like news creation, isn't it? So they they want to send a, a photographer. Around along to watch a protest, and they want to cover that, and they want to interview some people, um, and they want to they want to file that report, and that's kind of their news. It's it's manufactured news. Uh, I hate to use the expression; it's fake news. So that that they're wanting to kind of get other people to do stuff that they think's a good idea, and but they're mani- they're ma- actually manufacturing the news because they're they're putting a morality out there on people who haven't got that. If that's what yeah. they believe, if that's what they believe, put down their laptops, put down their cameras, and do it themselves. Oh, I mean, it's all. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are definitely look. There are journalists out there who genuinely care and who are, you know, they've got integrity and moral scruples. But there are undoubtedly there are journalists, especially in a saturated uh, world that we live in now, in terms of social media. Journalists out there need copy. They need copy. They need clicks. Yeah. And to generate new stories by kind of putting out putting out comments like we've seen. That's the whole modus operandi, isn't it? It's not. It's yeah. not some. I don't think it's some great kind of moral crusade that particular journalists are on. It's just because they want to shift units. Now, as I say, there are journalists who we've spoken to, and there are definitely journalists out there who are genuinely good people with moral convictions. Um, but there are going to be a lot of people out there, and we've seen it who are, who are putting things out just because they want to get loads of comments on their Twitter feed. Because ultimately, those comments feed advertisers, and advertising the name of the game, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's a good point that others have made as to whether or not there would be this kind of um, reaction if, it, if, if the Saudis were buying West Ham or the Saudis were buying Chelsea or the Saudis were buying Arsenal. Um, and I think there's something underneath this, which is, a, which is and this, this may be me being a paranoid Geordie, is that there, that there is an antipathy towards the northeast, and it's kind of what the hell are they going there for? I think there's a, I think there's a part, there's an, a, there's an element of that which is regional class prejudice. I think that, I think there's, there's that comes into play, and there's this kind of bewilderment that there's going to be this thing at the other end of the country in the northeast, you know, which has got its own narrative, well worn kind of, oh, look at those loyal Geordies, if only things could be turn out better for them. Look, they're protesting against a bad owner. Again, it's it's almost like a, a kind of Dickensian kind of subplot, isn't it, in a, a in a bad novel? You know, so it's it's kind of there's that. But when when we kind of become powerful, which are I really believe we could be under this new ownership. We will have this massive, shiny thing on the north bank of the Tyne, which people are going to have to travel to the other end of the country for. And it's not going to be in London. It's not going to be in Manchester. It's going to be in Newcastle. So my message to them is just get fucking used to it. <laughs> We're coming. Yeah. Now, well said. And do you, Mick, do you think there's... 
when I was when I was growing up, me, me dad always used to say, "Don't believe anything you read in the newspapers because they hate Newcastle. They don't want they don't want to win the league. They don't want to do well." Was that a bit, bit of paranoia in his part, or do you think that was always there in the Keegan years? I think there's an antipathy towards the northeast in general. I don't think it's just Newcastle. I think they feel the same probably about Middlesbrough and Sunderland. I think they just think the northeast is this backwater. It's this um, downtrodden, kind of depressed part of the country. And it, and it is disadvantaged compared to others. It, had, it has had very little investment compared to other places. And in, and in my opinion, that's been scandalous. But this is an opportunity for a kind of the, a, the Saudi government in particular to kind of kickstart something in the northeast in the same way that Sheikh Mansour has in, in and around Manchester City's ground, you know. So it can be a huge amount of inward investment which can bring other investment, and it could, it could in years to come. You know, I'm I'm getting on now, like so. It'll be for younger generations, but um, you know, Newcastle could be, and the wider northeast could be changed radically by what's going to happen here. You know, I've, I, I might I might be running away with myself on on that, but I don't see any others coming to the northeast with promises to. To, to invest so uh, so much in the area if that's what's going to happen but also what it'll do for local morale you know to have a positive kind of uh, football club with silverware and success it'll be inspirational for, for lots of people around here and it'll raise local morale and that's a really really positive thing and I don't think some of the people who are wanting us to sacrifice this not that we've got the power to do that which we've already covered I don't think they get that I really, really don't think they get what an opportunity this is for Newcastle and the wider northeast region. No, you're right, and I don't know if we're on air when we're talking about power, but it's it's definitely something to think about in terms of if you look at you know West Ham fans, they're kicking off at the minute, but but overall, not too many of them were were gutted to leave you know Upton Park. I'm sure, there was plenty, but you know they all they all kind of went, and then it was shit at the London Stadium and. I think a lot of West Ham fans as well, if, uh, if if things were going okay on the pitch, they could stomach that. Really? Um, there isn't a support that over the last 13 years, and particularly the last 10 years, that has protested more, moaned more, kicked off more, had more to moan about, had more to kick off. I mean, probably the only support that, that would have all that would be Sunderland, but they don't. They seem to be happy with a lot. Um, and it's just, I, I said this to a journalist today, people are, people are tired of making a stand, people are tired of not going to the match because of because of other reasons and, and you know like you said Mick you know no one asked no one asked where no one you know no one none of these journalists seem to be annoyed with Mike Ashley for, for taking 300 million pound of Saudi money yeah but 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 the the onus is on us the ordinary fans to to do something to to not allow what they call sports washing mm-hmm. Norman you know you what what do you feel about about the kind of defense that you, or de- the defense you see of Saudi Arabia on social media because I know I know it didn't sit particularly easily with you and I know it's at social media so it's not particularly reflective of real life but speaking to some journalists earlier and I know you spoke to the same same lads predominantly there, there is a bit of unease how you know well and the accusation I should say that Newcastle fans are some Newcastle fans are too too quick to defend Saudi Arabia and human rights and all that kind of thing is it something that you have an issue with or is this just people creating problems for themselves do I have an issue with um, people defending Saudi Arabia's human rights record? Um, well, yes, I have an issue to the extent that I, I think that human rights records, you know, if you, if you look at what you see in Amnesty and Human Rights Watch, it's indefensible. You know, you can't 
you can't defend that. Uh, there's no valid. You, you can't give a valid argument that that suggests that you understand and are for uh, abuses committed by the Saudi government. However, what I would what I would say is also, you know, the, you know, can I can I defend um, you know Tony Blair's policies in Iraq? No, I can't. So any any form of human rights abuse is, is utterly deplorable, and it's. It, there, it, 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 there's no defence for it. Everything Nick said there about the investment, the region, everything. I, compl- I completely agree with. But it, but it, you can say that we can we can all say that, and we can all at the same time say, but also we understand that, that what Saudi Arabia is a government are doing at the moment and what they have done and how they run their society. We fundamentally agree with. I absolutely fundamentally sorry disagree yeah. with God. <laughs> disagree. Disagree with. Um, you have to edit that out because, you know, fake news and all that, it might get, it might get cut and sent somewhere else. And obviously I am the voice of the people, clearly. Um, but, uh, it, you know, I, I, fundament, I fundamentally disagree with Saudi foreign policy and domestic policy based on what I know about it. Of course I do. However, Newcastle United Football Club, I love that football club. I love the region. I'm from there. I am proud to be a Jody. I want to see Newcastle and the region do well. As Mick says, you know, Battery neoliberal politics ripped the heart and soul out of that part of the world. And obviously this is an opportunity for it to be completely regenerated. And there will be kickback from other people because of that. And the human rights aspect of Saudi policy will be used as a stick to beat people with because they've actually got other agendas that they're just too scared to admit, i.e. they're jealous of what's going to happen. But I don't think anyone can have a problem with them saying, I love Newcastle United, I want to see the region do well. At the same time, of course, I understand that the people who are going to be running the club are committing abuses that I cannot at all agree with and I wholeheartedly condemn. Is that is it not possible to take that position? Of course it is, Norman. I mean, I, I, what, I, what I would just... It, just in this whole conversation, though, it's kind of... It's a bit absurd that we're even having it. It's like... This ship, this ship that about morality and ethics and all of that kind of stuff, it sailed out of the harbour years and years and years ago. So you've had, I mean, the the obvious one is um, Sheikh Mansour and the Abu Dhabis who own um, Manchester City. They're in a similar position. So that that was established what twelve years, ten, twelve years ago when they bought into Man City, however lo- however long ago it was. Um, that there's that. Then you've got the Qataris who own PSG and you've got them having the next World Cup and you've got the Qatari logo on the Barcelona strip. Then you've got um, Roman Roman Abramovich who is an oligarch very, very close to Putin. And let's be honest, Russia is a gangster state and and he's deliberately come to London and made himself a public a public figure to uh, improve his own image and to make sure that uh, Vladimir doesn't bump him off if he upsets him. So you've got all of that. Then you've got stuff like the Saudis buying up prime London real estate. But most of all, you've got football sold its soul Decades ago, it sold its soul when Liverpool, Manchester United, Everton, Tottenham and Arsenal were the prime movers for the establishment of the Premier League, which is a breakaway league from the rest of football designed to make the big clubs rich. So that that ship sailed years and years and years ago. Why are we even having the conversation? It's gone. It's been, no. That battle was lost. You you might as well just be th- kind of having a you know you might you, uh, the French might as be might as well be asking for a rematch of of Trafalgar. It's ridiculous. I mean, I I love to disagree with you there in the sense that you know I understand that football is completely so so. There's no two ways about it. However, you know the, the fact that 
all the things you mentioned there, you know, you're right in what's happened to Tob taking over, over clubs, you know, PSG, Fort Out, etc., etc. I mean, at the same time, I'm still, you know, I'm still going to, if I'm asked, I would still, you know, condemn what I see as, you know, human rights abuses or what I consider to be morally wrong. I'm not just going to ignore it, you know, I can't, I can't do that. Now, but, but do I think that every single person out there ought, ought to, like, be, you know, judge judge and um, executioner and jury on, on what's happening in the Newcastle United Football Club? Of course I don't. But on a personal level, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be uncomfortable with some of the people who are investing in football. Um, however, I've had this discussion already with somebody. Football for me, when I watch it, when it's 11 versus 11 on a football pitch for that 90 minutes, I do forget about the kind of wider, the wider picture and, and you know, the, I suppose the horror of, of the game on many levels. Um, so it, it, it is, it is, it's, it's very much, it's very much a conflict for me. The who, who owns football clubs, I can't just kind of brush it off and accept it. I find that really, really tough. But at the same time, I absolutely and utterly love football. Um, so it, it, for me, it is, it is going to be, a, it's, a, it's an ongoing dialogue, as I say. However, I think again, back to Alex's original question. I think, you know, when people are putting kind of Saudi Arabian flags in that, in that Twitter bio, bios and stuff like that, you know, I, I don't think there's anything malicious in it at all. It's just genuine excitement at what's going to happen to that club. However, if you scratch the surface, if you scratch the surface, if, you know, do your politics or if you go on Rami's website and, and read what they write, or if you, if you go into like a Saudi dissident website, if you just Google it and you, you read kind of per, people's stories, then obviously you might think twice about kind of celebrating, you know, the, the, the Saudi flag. But I think I would say the majority of people on Twitter at the moment who are expressing the happiness through Saudi flags and camel emojis are doing it because they're genuinely excited and they haven't really looked at the wider picture. They're just thinking in terms of Newcastle United because Newcastle United is what they love. So I'm not going to judge. I'm just not going to judge people. Good answer, and also I think the point Mick was making, if I can say, Mick, is that, yeah, normally if, you, if you're asked about human rights abuses, then absolutely you should only give the answer that you you want to give. But the very the very idea that you, Norman Riley, in London are being asked about human rights abuses, of which you have nothing to do with and no control over, and even if it is in relation to your football club, there is so well. I'd say there's nothing, nothing you can do that would that would change anything. So if anyone's asking you about human rights abuses, that those people probably need to ask themselves: Am I am I speaking to the right person here, or am I taking the easy option? Hundred percent. What should we do then, Mick, uh, to round this up? What What do you think? Do you think fans? Because this is this is probably never going to go away. Uh, from oh, I the think media. It, I think it will go away. I think it's a nine day wonder. Um, I, do, I don't think I don't hear uh, after every Man City game, you know, this kind of outpouring of kind of angst, um, and I do and I don't hear it at Chelsea, and I don't hear, it, you know, I don't hear it around Arsenal with that when Usmanov is 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 there, you know, who's who's been described as a as a gangster as well. So there's all there's all of these kind of things. It's there's a vacuum at the moment, and uh, it's being filled by people who are desperate to file copy. And it makes me laugh that somebody from the Daily Mail can be taking a, a moral standpoint, given that <laughs> given that they've kind of consistently supported a con- conserv- successive conservative governments, which have fascists in the in the forties, fascists, yeah, hurrah for the black shirts, Norman. So, but what I was going to say is that they have s- consistently supported Tory governments who've had a central foreign policy of improving. Um, diplomatic and economic links with Saudi Arabia. So 
you know, if you're Oliver Holt, I think you've got you need to have a crisis of conscience given the newspaper that you work on, and that applies to the Telegraph and several others as well. So, you know, like don't keep putting this on the the powerless, as Alex said earlier. Put it on the powerful. So, ask Mike Ashley what he thinks about the Saudi regime. Ask the Premier League. Ask the government. And to be fair to Amnesty International, they've wrote to the Premier League today, which they might as well have filed that in the bay in mind. That'll, <laughs> that'll go nowhere. Calling upon the better nature of the Premier League was is the is the is the strongest of wishful thinking, to put it mildly. But you know that that's kind of where we are right now. In in my opinion, it's something that will that a few columnists and reporters have to get off their chest. They're kind of twenty minute kind of sketch pieces. Um, you know that you could you could even put together in a kind of six piece jigsaw, couldn't you? Which is Saudi outrage football. Why aren't the mags doing something? Blah blah blah. And it's kind of there you go. There's me copy for today. Failed smashing. Get some clicks off that. You know, or some gobshite on talk shite radio or or whatever giving it giving it the large one and or some ex-footballer who apparently is a human rights activist all of a sudden um expressing a view, expressing a view on the matter the fact of the matter is all of these people will come to st james's park next year to write about newcastle united and the games that are being played and there'll be no moral standpoint from them whatsoever well said i think we'll finish it there norman unless there's anything pressing you think we've missed no, I think that last point um, made it very interesting again um, in the conversation today. That 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 came up, and I think you know, one of the one of the questions I asked was, I suppose journalists at football matches have the opportunity really to actually question people um, in powerful positions directly. So, for example, you know, let's just say um, the Saudi takeover, and let's just say Mauricio Pochettino becomes you know, as a manager, is there a journalist who's going to stand in front of him after a match and say? or at a press conference in, in their Jamal Khashoggi t-shirt and say, Mauricio, how does it feel to be taking money from the Saudis? I don't think that'll actually happen, will it? No. So that's the thing. It's, look, I, I, I absolutely agree with with um, holding people to account. And, you know, as I say, as, as a fan on a personal level, I'm really conflicted about this. But I just think fans are, are far too easy of a target. Um, you know, if, if if you're going to go after fans, then what you've got to do is, you know, keep keep rolling with it. If that's what you, if, if that's what you truly, truly believe, Keep rolling with it, but also question those in power. Question those who have got the years of the people at the top. Question those whose opinions are going to be absolutely huge. But they just keep going after fans. If that's what people keep doing, i.e. someone like Oli Hollis, they keep going after fans, then it's, it's, to be honest with you, it's cowardice. Yeah. Do you know what I, I want to ask the new people? Are they going to pay the living wage to all of the employees at Newcastle United? Are they, go- are they going to do that? Are they, are they going to be active within the, um, within the Newcastle community and, and the wider northeast? Are they going to be doing that? Are they going to, are they going to invest in the women's football team? Are they going to get, you know, whereas uh, Ashley has done absolutely sod all with them? Are they, are they going to be involved in, um, in, the, in the economic growth? Are they going to work with the city council to make Newcastle and Tyneside a much better place to, li- to, to live? Are they going to be doing all of that? Are they going to invest in the academy? Are we going to, will young footballers from the North East, will they get the best coaching and the best chances of making it in, in football and in and at Newcastle United, how are how are Newcastle United going to engage with the smaller non-league clubs in the area? How are they going to how are they going to how are they going to make our football community much better than what it is? That's they're the questions we need to be asking, not whether or not human rights abuses are going on in Saudi Arabia. That's not part of our terms of reference. 
Yeah, no, Norman, I think you're right. Spot on there, mate. Norman, I think you're right. Um, you know, I saw Gary Lineker tweet an article from Barney Roney, which was scathing of the takeover and about anyone who, who was excited about it. Um, Gary Lineker, uh, to my knowledge, has never had Pep Guardiola on the match of the day big screen in the studio live and ever asked him about anything to do with Manchester City. Yet he has he has the power to do that and he has the power to make a moral stance. And yes, he might lose his job, but he, he probably doesn't need the money. Um, whereas we, we, are, we don't have such power. We don't have such power. We'll leave it there. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, we've got loads more coming. Probably this week, even uh, Norman's chat with Miguel Delaney will be uh, online in the coming days. Uh, we've got loads more coming, and obviously, when the news does eventually break officially in terms of hearing it from the Premier League and Newcastle United, we'll be all over that, that like a rash. So, thanks for listening. Um, Go on, Norman. I'll just interrupt you, Alex. Sorry, I'm, I'm hoping to um, chat with uh, Amnesty as well, so that'll be really interesting if that can if that can come off. Yeah. Yep, can't wait for that. Thanks everyone for listening. Speak to you all soon. Ta-da. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.